Hello and welcome to the OptiSeller podcast, the place where we give data and advice to marketplace sellers. I'm Dara Gallagher and today we'll be chatting to Bert Bassett, a long-time eBay seller and one of our eBay specialists here at OptiSeller. In today's episode, Bert shares his eBay story, his explanation on the eBay mandates, how he keeps up with the latest eBay news and changes, and the impact the pandemic has had on sales. And it, it sounds a bit bizarre, but for instance, people 10 years ago, five years ago, would be listing a pair of trainers and they wouldn't be putting the size or the brand or the colour. And please do stick around till the end. I'll be telling you how you can get 30% off monthly for the OptiSeller plan of your choice. Each month, OptiSeller will bring you the best data and advice for selling on marketplaces. So let's get selling. So Bert and I caught up just before Christmas and I got his take on all things eBay, including the eBay mandates, which I know is a huge focus for so many sellers at the moment, with the deadline being the 22nd of February. But we do have so much more to get through, so let's just jump straight in and hear from Bert. First of all, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your role at OptiSeller? Yeah, well, I'm Bert Bassett and I'm an eBay specialist. Um, I worked for eBay for 10 years until recently and was the business development director in the UK. Um, I'm also a business seller of of 20 years standing um, and I do also sell on other platforms like um, Amazon, OnBuy, Etsy, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all all the rest of that stuff. So e-commerce, I can't think of a better way of describing it as I'm very boring on e-commerce. My role role, uh, to seller is to... Um, inform on product development, market research, and come come up with ideas for things that OptiSeller could do, which are going to like pursue the vision that OptiSeller comes up with tools and suggestions that help you grow your business um, on eBay. Great. And um, so you said it was 20 years that you've been selling on marketplaces. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I, I wasn't quite there in the, in the first year because even I wasn't that old. But in my early 20s, I, I discovered eBay, became obsessed with it as a venue in which I could buy the comics that I could not afford as a child, but really wanted, um, having never really properly grown up. Then, of course, what happens is you once you start buying a lot of stuff, you start also selling a few things as well. And then I I launched a publishing business um, on eBay as a sort of early model for self-publishing. And that was my business for a number of years. And that peaked um, just before I actually physically joined eBay, where um, my books were picked up for a short series for children's BBC radio. So if you were listening to the radio on Wednesday mornings at six on children's BBC radio about 12 years ago, then you would have uh, heard my stories. And I was hoping to become a millionaire like the Peppa Pig people. And it's very, look at me, I'm being relevant to stories from the news. Um, I could have been as rich as the Peppa Pig people, but it never translated from radio to television. So then I joined eBay and I worked for eBay for 10 years kept my business as a bit of a hobby business. But then when I left eBay, uh, I decided it would become like a main revenue stream for me. So it's scaling up at the moment. Um, And I am, I think, the number two seller of of cat toys on eBay at the moment in the UK. That's brilliant. Do you tend to try quite hard to keep up with like the tricks of the trade in eBay? Or is it more like since you've been doing it for so long, is it quite straightforward now? Yeah, I mean, um what you do is i mean you have seller hub switched on and i look at seller hub every day 
and alerts come into Seller Hub, messages come into Message Center, and I just read them. Um, and it, it's actually quite amusing. When I worked at eBay, they're, they're, you know, sometimes because you work at eBay, when you give people advice, people slightly mistrust you. You know, why is eBay telling us this? Is this eBay's agenda rather than something that's going to help me as a seller? Is it just another ploy to take more money from me? And actually, one, that perception is dead wrong. Uh, all the people at eBay will constantly parrot they don't make money unless sellers make money so they don't have some evil agenda or anything like that but now i'm outside i I really see the value of it and when people say to me you know what's the trick you know do you know the dark arts of ebay there is literally nothing i know that isn't in the public domain and it comes from the announcements and quite generally it's just Follow the instructions like they give you a pathway to do so. So what I do is I just make sure that when those seller um, announcements come up, which tend to only be two or three times, like the big ones tend to only be two or three times a year, um, then, you know, I, uh, I, I read them carefully. And if there's any instructions there, I tend to just follow them because they're giving you all the clues to success there. Um, what I also do, obviously, I mean, I, I'm lucky in that I work for OptiSeller, so I get all their updates, but I subscribe to a load of other newsletters. I read Tame Bay and so on and so forth. Just keep abreast of, of things because often what happens is an announcement will come out But what you could do with is a little bit of clarity and instruction as to how to activate that best and how it fits in with your business. And there's there's a network of quite clever, chatty eBay folks who will see a new product and go, ah, that means this. This is what we need to do with it. This is how we apply it best. And this is why it works. And I think, you know, this is one of the critical things is that when you see an eBay announcement, often you have to take it on faith. They just say, do this, it will make you grow. What I quite like is is floating around that and trying to work out why as well. Because I said so has never really worked very well for me. So what I do is I, I not only read them, but I try and explain to myself or find out from others, um, you know, why that's the case. And so would you say the eBay community is quite important to get involved in if you're trying to be successful on eBay? Yeah, I mean, e- even the eBay message boards are um, uh, are a good place, but actually, they're, they're, you know, there's a wider community. I mean, I, what I would do is um, join up to various Facebook communities, which you can search with. There's there's definitely some good LinkedIn communities where you go, I'm an eBay business seller and, and you want to be in there um, and you'll get a real sense check. I think the only warning you've got there um, and what I always do is all of the public forums tend to attract people who are at the extremes of enthusiasm for eBay. And and anyone who tells you that eBay's plummeting and it's not growing, it's just not true. eBay's still growing, um, sales going up. And often what you find, as I found in my job, is that people who claim that eBay is doomed and it's it's biased against them just haven't read the recent instructions. You know, nothing is wrong with me. I haven't changed my listings in five years and they used to sell thousands and now they sell nothing. And that's a bit like, you know, I've had the same car since 1954 and now it doesn't get me to the shops as quickly as it did. So something's wrong with the roads. It's not the case. You have to keep up to date. And eBay itself has to keep keep updating all the time in order to keep up with trends, you know, the massive shift to mobile commerce, all of those kind of things. What you need to do is do the same. You can't stand still. You have to follow the instructions. I found that eBay sellers are pretty, pretty good about helping each other out. With the pandemic, we saw there was a lot of pandemic startups on eBay. Have you seen 
a dip in your sales or an increase in uptake for your listings through the pandemic? Generally, it's still pretty positive because underlying baselines, you know, more people are adopting e-commerce and a lot of the people who were pushed onto the internet maybe sometimes for the first time. So some older consumers have been pushed online and now they're there. The customer base is bigger than it was. But it is absolutely true that people aren't seeing the peaks from last year, this year. Um, basically November of this time last year was extraordinary and it's a reflection I think people are forgetting that we were actually genuinely physically locked down that non-essential shops were shut people were much more nervous about the the virus I think things are a bit different now I think obviously businesses are much more open I think people are enjoying going back and having the physical experience of shopping I think the general pattern is is that uh, if you discount last year as a blip the general curve is upwards, but you probably shouldn't expect to sell as much unless you're in explosive growth this year than you did last year under the circumstances. An obvious thing to talk about is item specifics. And as a yeah. company, we focus quite heavily on them. Um, but could you explain for anyone who doesn't know what item specifics are? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, if every single marketplace and every single search engine tends to have this kind of feature, and often they're described as meta tags, um, and what they are is labels which help a search engine um, to very specifically find your items and index them from people who want to see them. Now, obviously, the search engines will look at things like item titles and descriptions and subject matter and all of your content. But if you imagine these kind of meta tags are like writing machine code. So rather than asking Google or eBay or whomever to understand your titles and what they mean, you're sort of digging one layer deeper and saying, this is the tag. This is a thing that this is, which is going to allow you to to index it. Um, and that has the benefit of one, it's a more efficient way of, of telling a search engine what you have. But two, also, it allows you far more capacity. So, um, for instance, an, an eBay item title is like 80 characters. Um, and you can see how people have to squish things in compared to like an Amazon title where you can have, you know, they, they like 150 character minimum and sometimes more. Um, you're limited in that. So you have to make really conscious choices about which keywords you put in, which ones you leave out and like what order and how many. Um, with item specifics, which is the eBay meta tag, you can put as many of them in as you want. So if you think there's 100 important things about your items, you can put 100 um, descriptions in. But also what it does is it allows you to emphasize the key things that people are actually searching for. So I'll probably you'll probably ask me some more questions about item specific. But in terms of what they are, they are extra snippets of information that you enter as tags into your item to make them fundamentally more indexable and more findable in search engines. Um, and the more specifics you put on, the more likely your item to get caught in the web of a search or the net of a search um, and, and your item to be, be displayed to a potential customer. Obviously, then connected to item specifics quite heavily would be the eBay mandates. How would you explain those to someone that's experiencing that for the first time? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the weird thing is, is for me, eBay mandates are they're a teaching moment as well as something you have to do. So by definition, eBay has three types of item specifics. They have required item specifics, which is mandated by eBay. Obviously, they 
nice inconsistent terminology, but they mean the same thing. So you have required item specifics. And these are what eBay has defined as the base tagging data you absolutely need in order to sell stuff. And it, it sounds a bit bizarre, but for instance, people... 10 years ago, five years ago, would be listing a pair of trainers and they wouldn't be putting the size or the brand or the color. And, and so what was happening in, in those categories where people are far more likely to filter and where fitment and sizing is much more important, those were the first categories to have mandates in them. Like, no, we're not going to let you list a pair of jeans unless you put the waist size, the color and the style, because otherwise people will just look at your item and they go, I don't know what this is, and they'll bounce. Or more importantly, they'll search for size 32 blue jeans um, that's a size I haven't seen in a few years. I have to say I'm a bit fatter than that. Um, and your your listings won't come up or they'll come up and they won't look like the thing that the user has searched for. So there's required item specifics. And what you'll find is in most categories, there'll be at least one, something like the brand of the item. And if you don't have a brand, you put in not applicable if it's unbranded. But then as time goes on, what eBay will do is add to those requirements. And those are based on their actual knowledge of what people are searching for. Um, so they're not making this stuff up for fun. They know that millions of people are searching for these specific things about your type of product. You know, if it's a, you know, if it's a book, you know, they they want the the you know they want the publisher details and they want which edition it is and things like that. Then you have a, a second category which is recommended. Now with the recommended listings, what they typically do within the listing flow is they actually call out how many searches there are for that so it will say something like you need to it's recommended with a pair of jeans that you put what type of fastening it has um uh, whether it's a zip or whether it's buttons and stuff and then next to it will be something like 3.3 million searches and that gives you an idea that if you're not putting that search term that tag in then there are 3.3 million people who care about that and can't find out about that from your listing then there's the third category which is a bit what I call rainy Sunday afternoon, which is um, additional um, item specifics. And with additionals, that is what you would call long tail. And yes, you can put as many as you want in, and it's really good for incremental gains because if someone makes a slightly bizarre search for what you do, then you'll appear and it gives you an advantage. So it's, it is like in the cycling, incremental gains. It's don't get onto your additional item specifics until you have the capacity to do them and you've done all the bigger jobs that you have. But doing them is always going to catch you that wacky customer. And, and there's all sorts of weird stuff that people search for. I can remember talking about cardigans. You know, Some people will actually type in five-button cardigan. So button quantity can sometimes be a be a thing. So so yeah, long answer to a short question. Three types of item specifics, all of which are specifically tied to search volumes. And the more of them you put in, um, the 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 more likely you are to catch the searches that are coming onto the platform. And so, why, in your opinion, does eBay push mandates so frequently, like multiple times a year? Is it to do with trends in the seasons? It's um, it, it's data driven. They they come sporadically because eBay tries as hard as it can to make you 
um, touch your listings as infrequently as possible. So it's fine if you're a small seller and someone comes along and adds in a mandate, but it's actually a big wow. If you've got 10,000 listings and suddenly you have to add a data point to everything, and obviously my Optiseller sales pitch is coming. You can see how I'm, I'm building up to this. Because um, one of the key functionalities of the Optiseller tools is it's going to allow you to deal with mandates far more easily, especially if you have a very high SKU count. Um, you can imagine, even if it only takes you 10, 20, 30, seconds to change an item specific if you have 10,000 listings even if you have 500 listings that's quite an investment of time so the reality is is whilst it's really sensible for people to do item specifics on their own um, because of that whole how do I prioritize my time how expensive it is it's so important that what eBay will say is look we're going to force you we're going to say you have to do these item specifics because they are the absolute basic requirements. If you're not prepared to do this, then we're going to force you to do it. Now, eBay wouldn't do that if they thought it was going to be really disruptive because they know that some people will go, I'm not doing that, in which case they won't be able to list anymore. But actually, the, the lack of that critical data um, is really damaging to sales and it's damaging to eBay as a whole. And bear in mind that eBay doesn't exist in a vacuum. So if eBay just has a load of cockamamie um, search results, then people would just go to other platforms. And every eBay seller benefits from market confidence in eBay as a whole entity. So what eBay will do is probably two or three mandates a year. They will all be data driven. So literally they will sit there and go, what are the things that people are searching for the most that people aren't putting into their item specifics and they should be, and it will drive it that way. Um, and that's why sometimes you think, well, why are they doing the set of mandates that they're doing now? It's because it's based on underlying data that, that um, we don't have access to, but which eBay do. What hopefully then people realize is in doing it, they benefit their business, they see the increased traffic, they see the increased sales and conversion, and it encourages them that this is an important part of what they do. And again, it plays to the same thing of don't leave your listings alone. Um, just because they work six months ago doesn't mean they, they will work. And again, the other great benefit of item specifics is they give you keyword fodder. So if you see something that's an important item specific and you don't have it in your um your title or in your description, then you can add it in there as well. So it helps power your descriptions. But you, you would have to be a very confident person to stick with exactly the same listings over time. In the same way as, you know, if you, you still had a listing that really only worked on desktop, um, you would be foolish not to do the work necessary to make it look good on mobile because, you know, 70, 80% of transactions involve mobile and more in certain categories. So, so eBay does mandates like, um, like a parent tells their kids to go to bed or take their medicine or something like that. There is an element of because I told you so. There, there, there's goodness behind those because I, I told you so, and that's why they do it eBay was one of the first marketplaces to really show like customer feedback and focus on customers. And perhaps maybe sellers think that eBay only care about the customers and they don't care about the sellers. But would you say that the eBay mandates equal parts benefit the customer and the seller or what are your thoughts? It's, it's interesting. I mean, I was there for 10 years and the pendulum swings. There's always an internal debate. You know, um, who is our customer when you work for eBay um, and who are we solving for? Now, the, it's a, there's an interesting one. And I mean, I'm not going to give you a good answer here now. And, and 
if you think that eBay has this nailed and it's always fixed in the same place, then then you'd be wrong. Is that ultimately there is a theory which says that the sellers have to be the customers because they're the ones who actually pay eBay. And that would seem to be a good definition of a customer. However, the sellers wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the buyers. If you don't have buyers coming in, then the sellers wouldn't be there. And also what they found over time is if you have the buyer demand, it doesn't it isn't so important which sellers you have. Um, and you know, it, it's that classic, again, you see it on the message boards. Uh, a, a seller will say, oh, well, you know, I, I've been selling this. I've been a great seller for years, but now I'm annoyed with eBay and I'm leaving. Good luck, eBay. At which point someone else just comes and takes their place. It's literally that simple. Now, you do have an issue is that with that kind of churn, you tend to lose more experienced sellers and gain less experienced sellers. But again, now the system is set. So they they guide sellers along the right route to become good sellers anyway. So typically, um, right now, I think the perceived wisdom is that you really sort of have to look out after the buyer demand as a priority. But the two things aren't independent. You know, buyer demand comes from having good, happy, healthy, profitable sellers. And again, eBay doesn't make really make any money except from when sellers sell things. So they, they have to push that forward. The, the length of my answer gives you an idea of the confusion. Um, I think that probably right now, buyer is probably more of a focus, but that's good news for sellers because without a focus on a buyer, then um, then the sellers wouldn't be making any money anyway. Yeah, it does make sense. It's kind of, you can't have one without yeah. the other. That's it. And it, it's all about conversion rates. You know, you, you can sit there and say, um, I don't want to do item specifics, at which point you'll be getting people not seeing your listings or bouncing out of your listings because they don't have the sufficient information for them to buy. Now, in theory, you can make that trade off. You can say, actually, it's going to take me five days to do this. And I think it's only going to add a certain percentage to my sales. So from a cost profit and loss, it doesn't make any sense. But what sellers have to remember is that they're kind of part of a team that helps and benefits each other. So Every bad seller, every bad experience that happens on eBay hurts the good sellers as well. Because when I come onto eBay, if I am looking for something and the search results are nonsense, I don't say, Dave's vacuum cleaners of Dagenham really let me down. I'm not going back there. They say eBay let me down and they don't go back there. Um, and so there, there is, it, it's not very fashionable these days, but there's a kind of collective responsibility that, that sellers on eBay have is that they want they want the tide to rise evenly so that all boats float. Um, and, and in doing a bit to make eBay look like a better venue, if everybody's doing that and eBay's pointing people in the right direction, then it's going to lead to continued growth on eBay. And that's an important thing because um, it's important that there are a number of strong providers within the market because we see what happens when monopolies start to occur. Amazon is a retailer. It's in control of everything. It's very directive. It doesn't really work in partnership with its sellers. eBay relies on the consent of its sellers to, to, to make the whole marketplace look better. And you can imagine how frustrating it is. You're in eBay Towers or eBay Palace or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And you know that if every seller on eBay adopted item specifics, then conversion rates would go across the board. Customers would come back more often. Satisfaction scores would go up and market share would increase. Um, but you have to persuade 
Um, 300,000 business sellers can be operational at any given time on eBay. You have to persuade that amount of people to do it. I think sellers need to be mindful that they can do good by doing these things, which grows eBay as a whole, which is going to come back to, to pay them back. But I think you said it succinctly and very well, is that eBay mandates these things because if uh, because buyers love them. And if buyers love something, they will buy more stuff. And that is pleasing to sellers. So actually, the mandate is really good news for sellers. So the way you were speaking about eBay growing, like it only grows if everyone does their bit. It just like reflects back to the whole community aspect of eBay. Would you say it has one of the strongest communities of all the marketplaces out there? Or do you experience different things through different marketplaces? I think so. I think so. I think the message boards are are less lively than they used to be back in the old days. And I mean, but these old days are so old that they're largely irrelevant. You know, there's eBay sellers on now who weren't even born um, Mm -hmm. at that particular time. eBay still, I think, maintains that kind of community spirit, which means that people are generally chatting and helping each other out, um, talking about wider issues. There's also a community that exists like more about the subject matter, you know, people talking about what they sell, not necessarily not necessarily about just how they do. I think the other marketplaces just aren't big enough because typically, you know, only 1% or so of your community is going to get really active. So um, you need a really big community in order to get traffic through those forums. So I'm pretty sure that Etsy would be pretty jolly, but there's just not many of them. So again, I suppose that's the thing is the structure of the, the marketplace will guide you as to how helpful the community is going to be. eBay still has that community there. And so obviously we've been focusing on item specifics. Would you say that item specifics is like the key first step to optimizing your store? This, I'm working on a project right now for OptiSeller where we're trying to itemize every single variable you can have in a listing. So anything you can do that would be different to what someone else would do. And then um, ideally, because we have access to data from all the clients and everything, like, um, you know, uh, we can do a meta-analysis to work out what's really important and what's not. Um, I think one of the critical things will be to separate out the importance of pricing versus everything else, because um, it's quite hard to judge. You know, sometimes people are saying, I do all the right things, but then someone comes along with something cheaper than me and they they do better than I do. Um, item specifics, I, I think, is is the first stretch thing you can do to a listing which has the most incremental effect so there's some basic stuff that you really need to do to a listing but i think almost everybody does that to a certain extent you know try and get more keywords into your item title um, make sure you have as many clean plain images as you possibly can and get your postage and dispatch correctly um, outside of a couple of little promotional tools um Item specifics is definitely the next one. And and one of the things that OptiSeller is looking to do in 2022 is do a better prioritization of those things for you. Um, The one top tip I would give everybody, which is just the insider knowledge I have from two years ago, is um, the multi-buy promotional tool. Um, it, it costs you nothing because it's just, if it costs you the same amount to post two items as it does one, then you should discount someone from buying two items from you because that way they get it cheaper and it doesn't cost you any money. It increases basket size, it increases conversion, it increases profitability. Uh, promoted listings, um, 
I think start gradually build up, find a nice equilibrium for yourself. And actually right now with promoted listings advance having come along, there are two big opportunities there. Like promoted listings advance hasn't settled down enough for us to know exactly what it can and can't do. Have a go at promoted listings advance early um, because it thro also throws you out loads of reports on keywords as well, which is going to give you more information to help your listing. And also, if you have high average selling price, you should definitely be trying it because I think it's a pretty cheap and efficient way. And with promoted listings advance, it's the position is position one in search. So it is your pay to get to top. So if you have an item and you think if only it was top of search, I'd be a millionaire. Promoted listings advanced is, is the way forward. Um, but what you've got to remember is that item specifics, which doesn't come with any financial cost. It comes with a labor cost. So often what you'll find is you'll have some capacity and you will just go ahead and do it. Now, alternatively, because this is the OptiSeller podcast, is um, it is ridiculously easy and quick to use the OptiSeller tools to do this. So if you're daunted by the work you need to do, you just fire up your OptiSeller. It gives you a big old dashboard. It's probably one of the most elegant bulk ways in which you can do your item specifics. Plus also because it's data-driven, um, you actually get suggestions for a lot of your item specifics. So it, it looks through your listing and finds out the things that could be item specifics and suggest them, also comes up with typical values. So often what you'll find is you're sitting there going, I've got to do five item specifics for everything I need to do, and I've got 500 listings. Once it's all tabulated out, often you're just pressing yes, 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 yes to the suggestions that you have mm -hmm. rather than, than doing anything. And I mean, I manage a few eBay merchants that have a lot of SKUs, and we use those tools a lot. When we first get a new client, almost the first thing we do is run them through those tools um, and make sure those specifics are in there. Because again, normally by the time me, as someone who helps people manage their eBay store comes along, people have already set up their listings. They've got their images, they've got their titles and so on. So I'm thinking about what can I do as someone who earns a living helping people on eBay to make the most difference in the quickest possible way. And, and that's where specifics come in. Great. Um, and I think this would round it off well to ask you, which um, OptiSeller tool would you recommend that you would say makes your life easiest or in your experience helps your clients the most? Um, it's a, it's a two-step process for me. Um, the first one is, uh, especially when you're asking other people for information, it's best not to surprise them with the requests that you have. So straight, um, straight off the bat, when we get a new client, and especially if it's in a category where we're not particularly familiar, you know, I'm not an expert on every single category, is I use the category report first. Because what that does is it just lays out um, what the required item specifics are for each category. And therefore, if I'm taking on, you know, a, a, an antique seller, then I can say to them, right, before we get going, be aware, this is the kind of information I need you to have about your products that you need to provide to me. Because if the information isn't there, then I can't add it anyway. And, and often that's really important because it structures the client's expectations. And yeah, it doesn't have to be a client. It can be you. You run that category finder through and then it tells you what you need to know. If that means you then have to go and ask your supplier that information. <laughs> and, you know, often people are sourcing from overseas 
you know, there's some really obvious ones like, you know, uh, is it recycled? Does it have an FSC certificate or something like that? That's information you have to get from elsewhere. So I like the category report, first of all, just to sort of set expectations. But I mean, you know, right now there's no controversy. It's it's like Aspect Finder Plus is the, is the, um, is the tool because the thing I love about it is it's a combination of something which is um, an indicator dashboard, which tells you exactly where you are, which has red, green, and amber, which shows you where the gaps are and everything. So just straight away, it's really, really clear um, what you haven't done, what you should do, what you could do. All of those suggestions are laid out. The second thing I love about it is then it allows you to edit everything in bulk. So you're, you don't have to go into a listing and change it and then come out and go into a listing and change it and come out. Now, there are bulk editing tools on eBay, but they're designed to bulk edit everything, whereas Aspect Finder is a bulk editor specifically designed for item specifics. So it's one, it presents the information in a really good way. Two, it comes up with suggestions so you don't actually have to fill all the boxes yourself, which is a big time saver. And then three, when you finish deciding which boxes you're going to fill, which ones you're going to take the suggestion, and which ones you're going to leave empty, you can just push a button and it pushes all through to live on eBay. Um, and, you know, that that is a, a massive time saver. And it, I think it, it really powerfully encourages you to, to add long tail item specifics, which are going to make a difference. There's ongoing plans all the time. An Optiseller introduces new tools regularly. And I think that 2022, it, it, we're going to see a real blossoming of other tools equally as, as helpful and useful as Aspect Finder Plus is for all the other aspects. I think that's the goal here is that we the, there's one product which is just such an exceptional one, so good that, you know, eBay took it on. Um, and you there are so many other things that you can do to help incremental sales and growth that OptiSeller are working on right now and have tools in some areas already um, that will develop so that eventually there'll be this suite of tools which literally does everything you need um, in an efficient way. So, so Aspect Finder for now, but look out for 2022. I think there's more, more exciting stuff coming next year. Great. So watch this space. There'll be plenty yep. more to come in the new year. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure we'll get you back on soon to give more updates. Yeah, no problem at all. Always happy to help out. And uh, so thank you very much. And that is it for this episode of the OptiSeller podcast. Thanks so much to Bert for joining us. I know everyone will have found his insights so helpful. He has so much experience on eBay and it really just does give that boost of motivation that you will need to tackle things like the eBay mandates and even just store optimization in general. If you did enjoy today's content and want to learn more about all things eBay mandates, we do have an upcoming webinar. If you want to join us on the 8th of February at 2pm, where Chris Cook, our Senior Market Growth Specialist, will be giving a detailed run-through of how and why to make the changes, as well as how we can help you, there will be a link in the description below. And if you've been waiting to find out how to get 30% off any OptiSeller plan, all you have to do is go to get.optiseller.com forward slash podcast and enter the code PODCAST30 to redeem 30% off monthly for an entire year. And this code expires in June 2022. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I'll catch up with you next month and I'm wishing you all the best of luck with your eBay mandates changes. 